Hey everybody, uh, we are gonna kick off an episode of Chalk Talk surrounding the topic of power. We go over a lot of different things and you'll notice throughout this podcast and many others, we're referencing previous podcasts and previous things that we discussed. In the world of strength and conditioning, we know very well that it's all kind of interconnected and we'll probably spend a lot of the episode talking about all of those different connections. So if you haven't, be sure to go check out previous episodes, especially the ones with Coach Brez where we take more of this performance dive into things. So go check those out. You can find everything on platform.com. That's plt4m.com. Coach Brez, we're gonna jump into power, ready to go? Yes, sir. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, so we're gonna get started with today's topic of conversation and we're gonna be focusing on power. Um, it's one of those buzzwords in strength and conditioning. We talk about strength, we talk about power, um, and we've done different episodes regarding those different types of things, but power seems to be one, and it is probably one of the sexier words that we hear in the world of strength and conditioning past some of the other episodes we've done of warm up and other <laughs> sure. not so fun or sexy ones. Power, I hear a lot of different things when it comes to like, plyos and um, speed of the bar and all of those different things. So like, what is the way you start to kind of wrap your head around or define what power is in kind of the world of strength and conditioning? Yeah, that's a good question because um, it is the, the quote unquote sexy aspect of athletic performance training. So I think that's important to know. Right now, we are talking maybe more towards uh, the coaches out there. Um, although I, I will say, I don't think I'll mention it later that um, a lot of actually recent research would say that the power training as we're going to dive into um, is also very useful for long-term fitness, you know, so it's not just for athletes, but that's sure. kind of how we're going to frame the conversation today. Um, because yeah, it, you know, power is one of those things that every, every coach and athlete is, is looking for. Um, and it's worth defining what the different, you know, kind of, um, types of power are and what we're actually talking about when it comes to training, because there are little kind of, um, you know, differences amongst um you know aspects of training that are all power related or what are people actually talking about when they say i want power and all those things so um worth defining um power is widely regarded as one of the single greatest um aspects of athletic performance so being able to jump higher run faster change of change your direction more quickly um, so what we're talking about when we, we talk power is essentially the combination of strength and speed. Uh, so if you want to talk about it, call it more scientifically, um, we're thinking peak power output of an individual. Um, that is essentially your rate of force development. So your strength, right? So we're talking about, you know, something like a, a back squat, heavy back squat, your strength is how much force you can generate. Yeah. Your power is how quickly you can apply said strength. Um, so what we're looking for is an equation that is basically power equals um, force times velocity. So strength and speed. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think it is worth mentioning that 
there are other elements of power that are not just about peak power output as we're talking about like you know what is the the highest velocity that you can move the highest load Mm -hmm. right but we're also going to talk about other elements of the the power equation but um in this case that's most people are probably talking about when they say like i want to be more powerful yeah i think sometimes people look at power or look at what they think power is and say like okay like so like a a one rep max or is it moving the bar as fast as you possibly can. And we're talking like you're doing jump squats. Like people start to interpret that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, and it gets really confusing, I think for some people, cause they're like, well, that's not power here. And we always talk about like circling and on a program and we won't get to that part yet, but I just want to set the stage in terms of like what I think it sometimes gets no, good, twisted into. Good point. Um, and I think, uh, because somebody else mentioned this yesterday, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, a lot of people attribute power um, in total to a concept or maybe just a convention that is all from that linear periodization model that we've talked about in the past yep. where you work from something that's like lightweight and high reps all the way up to something that's the reverse of that. And in historical context, that was generally labeled power phase, right? So a lot of people think that if I'm just working with high, high weights and low reps, max strength is max power. Very much not. Right. And we were talking about it earlier because you're like, if you, let's say, have a, like you're going for a heavy back squat, that bar's moving probably pretty slow as you're working through it. Yes. And that's where we start to get like, uh, that might not be power more so it might be strength or, and that's where it starts to like. So this is the weird thing. And I'm going to mention this now because we'll probably talk about it a few different times. Power training is not mutually exclusive of strength training, right? So if you're moving a heavy, heavy load via a back squat, your, your power might be low, but there's something that we'll talk about with the, the force velocity curve. You are still generating power. Okay. And it's part of power training just as much as something that's very, very light done very, very quickly is. It's just on the other end of the spectrum. Right. So yes and no is that power training. Right. It's not necessarily power training in the sense that is that the, the single greatest way or if you only ever do heavy back squat, will you increase your power? No. Um, but it is worth mentioning um, that, you know, there's a lot of overlap here, so I'm going to try not to be black and white while also being clear at the same time, yep. um, which will be tough. I think maybe the easiest way, um, I read this somewhere, which was um, if you think about power, right? The, the, the expression of power that we're going to talk about here is think about a, a four-lane um, intersection that you are going to cross the road. You have the strength to get across the road it's whether or not you can get there before the light turns is your expression of power. How quickly can you get it done? Yeah. Um, so you might be able to lift 500 pounds, but if you have to do that very, very slow, your expression of power is low. Mm-hmm. If you can move that same load, maybe twice as fast as the guy next to you, your expression of power is that much higher. Yeah. Um, so it's about how quickly you can get a task done under a heavy load, under a light load, under a moderate load. Yeah. Um, so there is no, and I really want to make this clear is like, you'll see a lot of people that say like, okay, I'm going to do power training. I'm only ever going to do light weights really, really fast. That's one part of the equation. Yeah. So, um, that kind of leads into probably where we're starting to trend towards. I don't know if we're quite ready for it yet, 
but like you've mentioned the word power training a lot, you know, like you said, sometimes in the more traditional or old school ways that we've seen power be described in training, mm-hmm. it's in that like linear periodization or the rep schemes and things like that. Where do you start to try to position what we're talking about with power training or what we're looking for when we're talking about like power expressed through movements or different exercises or workouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, we should. And uh, I'll maybe make just this caveat that hopefully we'll get to later is, um, right now, as we mentioned, we're going to kind of talk about power training as it's most colloquial, uh, in it's most colloquial sense of like what people are, most people are talking about or think about when we, when we say power training. Um, but there is um, a whole other side of things, which is like sustained power output. So like work over time. So how much work can you do in 30 seconds rather than like how fast can you move a barbell, Mm. right? So that's not just in a five second increment window. It's in a 30 second, a minute, a minute and a half. And that's where we get a lot of that um, kind of capacity uh, talk that we we mentioned in other uh, podcasts. So that's very much also power. You can have anaerobic power and aerobic power. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk more in the, call it strength world, power, peak power output. And what that looks like is, um, there's a number of things, right? So first and foremost, maybe is, and we talked about this in our uh, energy system podcast, which is sprinting, right? So your highest velocity of movement is going to be, you know, body weight, projecting yourself forward sideways, mm-hmm. etc. change of direction. So the ability to accelerate from zero to 60 and then the, the reverse. Um, so the creation and absorption of force absorption is actually technically not true. It's the creation of force that opposes force that slows you down. But, um, it's easier to think about like how quickly can I accelerate and how quickly can I decelerate? Yep. So, um, think, traditional speed and agility work mm-hmm. um, then think plyometrics so that could be loaded that could be body weight from simple tuck jump to a box jump to uh, med ball tosses um, things like that in which you are going to move a light load very quickly and again it's not do you do that 50 times you're trying to do you know just like a heavy set of squat you're going to do maybe five to six reps but you're going to focus on complete um you know, output in terms of is how quickly can you move something, right? Yeah. So like the box and a lot jump, of times those words, like they connect the two words of like power explosiveness. Yeah. And like we've talked about in previous podcasts, like you mentioned is like, sometimes we're talking about some of these things, those movements, we think we're training maybe power, but we're more so conditioning, you know, like, okay. Yes. Like if you do it 50 times, you do it a hundred times because it's part of a workout or per, part of like a more like Metcon or conditioning. That's one thing. But in terms of like the power, you're more so saying sometimes we want to mimic that same like lower so we can get the most out yep. of it. Just like in um, the the sprinting in itself that we've talked about before, where if you want to you know improve your top end speed, like what is the highest speed you can achieve, you need to make sure that you operate with the right work to rest ratios, the intensity of your movement. If you're if you're not sprinting at 100%, you're not going to improve your 100% sprint. Right. Um, if you're not jumping uh, or throwing or slamming with that same intensity, you're not going to improve the peak output. Now, to your point though, as we mentioned, if you're doing something repeatedly, right, there is benefit to low intensity repeated plyometrics or ballistic movements or dynamic effort movements because they do play a part as well. Right. For sure. um, because we're not we, avoiding them. We're just yes. putting them so, in a different yes. kind of context. If, and if you yeah, if you, and this if, is where it'll get the gray area. Right. If you want to improve, say your vertical jump ability, just one rep, yep. you want to train in such a way that you are improving peak power. Okay. Um, if you care about the ability to do something repeatedly, which I would argue is just as important for sports 
teams and team athletes, uh, then you're going to be doing both. Sure. Um, so yes. Yeah, so like I said, sorry, sprinting, change of direction, plyometrics, landing and uh, jumping and landing, um, all the different kinds, unilateral, bilateral, with light load, without light load, um, a lot of different things. And then of course, um, this is third on the list, but in no way, shape or form least important is your Ole lifts from, you know, variations like a dumbbell hang snatch to your full clean. Uh, if you're somebody that snatches, um, they are 1000% a, a very valuable tool for power development, mm -hmm. peak power output, etc. Um, you might actually get a higher total power output from a loaded jump squat. Uh, but that's not to say that you're only supposed to, you know, work within that highest range of intensity right. for the improvement of your entire ability to exert force. Um, so I think I've mentioned a few times, so maybe it's worth just kind of talking about it. There is something called uh, the force velocity curve, which if we can figure this out technically, we might put, pop it on the screen right now. So yep. um, maybe we can talk about it is, yeah. um, long story short, you can talk to the tech guy. There's an inverse relationship between force and velocity. So the higher um, force necessary, AKA the higher the weight, the lower your, your velocity, right? We know that. If you're gonna lift 500 pounds um, and you're gonna, let's say back squat. Let's say you have an empty bar back squat and a 300 pound uh, loaded bar. And I ask the same athlete to perform the same movement with the idea of moving as quickly as possible, which one's gonna move faster? The lower weight. Yeah, absolutely, right? We know that I'm gonna be able to fire up out of that thing. Um, so they're gonna operate on different ends of the spectrum of this force velocity curve. Um, but the point is that it is a continuum, AKA they're all connected. Yeah. Right, so you that need doesn't- both. It yeah. just depends on what you're more drawing into at any given time. Correct. And what your goal is, is not to take one point on that curve and improve it. It's to improve the whole curve. Yep. And right. we see that all the time. I mean, like the, the, I think the favorite thing to people to throw around is want to get better at this lift. Want to get better at that lift. So sprinting is <clears throat> one of them. Like yep. sprinting is probably sprinting's all the way at the bottom, right? On it's one end of the curve, velocity, lowest force, right? But people all the time talk about like to get better at sprinting, do the things higher up on the curve because it's going to help you get there. A thousand percent. And, and that's a natural segue. Maybe I'll just mention it now. Study after study after study after study has shown doing just power training, AKA Oli lifts or velocity bar tracking um, or uh, plyometrics or sprinting. Yes, they are all really important for creating um, an improvement in power. Mm -hmm. They are completely, I shouldn't say completely, I'm, now I'm being everything that I dislike. They are very, they are not anywhere near as useful if you're not also working max strength. Yeah. It is shown time and again that if you work max strength, you'll actually get more benefit to your power than if you just work power. Your best approach is to work strength and power. Yeah, and so like, and I make you do this all the time, but like when we're talking about any given day or any given workout, like a lot of times we're trying to kind of layer those different things in in a given week or mm -hmm. a given training cycle or anything else like that, saying like, okay, if I'm focusing or I really want to make sure like I have my kids for a couple years, like, and I want to get move that entire threshold up, right? Like I want to make them better athletes, training a better athlete. Yep. I want to do strength, I want to do power, I want to mix in all of those different things. 
I want to kind of move that forward is sort of what you're saying, right? Like you kind want, of, like, I'm, what I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it even more in the specific window of if you're a coach that says, I just want to have more powerful athletes run faster, jump higher, change direction. The way you can increase power must include strength. Okay. So if you look at this curve, you'll see that to increase power, all of the different elements involved are required. Heavy lifting, lighter lifting with moderate loads, but increased bar speeds, AKA only lifts. Then your plyometrics, your body weight or light weight jump and landing, then your actual sprinting. All of those have to actually be uh, influenced over the course of a training program to most effectively move the whole force velocity curve such that every aspect of uh, expressing power is increased. Gotcha. Oh, so you're, oh, I get what you're if saying. If you so, do so power you have training to... and no strength, your power training won't get you very far right. in power. Because it's a continuum, if you're expressing power one way or another, we're trying to basically get those, I don't want to use the word levers, but maybe levers. You want to pull thing. them all. To be able to get everything towards the direction because I think what is the whole point is like, no, you're not expressing like absolute power in a strength movement or vice versa, a strength and a power movement, but it's going to help yeah, that so, entire. So like literally if my only goal was to improve vertical and so I'm like, okay, so power training is my thing. If you only do plyometrics, call it sprint training or anything else and uh, like some only lifts you're not going to see your power increase as much as you would as if you also did strength. Gotcha. Yep. So really, and yes, I, we will absolutely talk like complete athletic development, I think is the most important thing in the yeah, world. And we but even if you are time, only interest in it, interested in power, so say like you're a three sport track athlete and you sprint and you're only a sprinter and a thrower. And so all you care about is power one rep. You still need to do a lot of reps light with high velocities, lower reps with high weights because maximum strength is the single greatest indicator of the ability to then create and garner power. Yeah. You can't have really high power outputs without really high strength. Gotcha. Um, so that's, that's all I really mean. No, that's fair. Um, and I think that's a good distinction, especially as we always talk about these and try to make sure that we focus in on a topic, but mm -hmm. also cover all the other things. Like don't yeah. go totally down the rabbit hole, just like we talked about in previous podcasts, like I want my biggest, strongest athletes, but you're going to lose other things right. versus even those people focused on pure power or that's my sport and my domain and what I'm doing, there's still those other elements that are going to help you get better at that. Yes. I think people just get a little too uh, pigeonholed into what they think. You know, if, if my goal is power, then power training is all I should do. But yep. reality, power training is there's elements that are considered power training, but they're not the only things that influence your power result. Sure. So, um, like for example, there's a reason that in our programming for athletic performance, there's only three main kind of target goals that we label power, control, capacity. But when we say we're going to work power today, that doesn't mean we don't do strength because strength is completely foundational to power. Yeah. So like there might be a day where you're like, well, we only, we only did a couple, like maybe plyometric exercises. There was no sprinting today. Well, but today was a heavy strength day. And that is a requirement, a pillar of your power development. And then maybe later in the week is when we do something that is high velocity. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the combination of the two are, are what pushes you further along than say, okay, if our goal is power, then every day we're going to do tons of plyos 
and some light barbell movements really fast. Yeah. Which is where I think people, a lot of people trip up. So if you think that there is some sort of like magical way of, if I only do this, I'm going to get so good at this, um, that I'll be better than everybody else is just kind of wrong. Yeah. Okay. We can say wrong. Misled. Yes. We don't have to toe around that. Um, I think that's a good, just pausing point Mm -hmm. where we can Mm -hmm. kind of take a quick break. We'll regroup, get into maybe some of the frequently asked questions and some of the things that a lot of coaches come up with, including myself and, and what I was asking you before we jumped on in terms of like, what are good indicators, ways to test them, all of those different things that start to come up along the way, if that sure. sounds good. Yep. All right, great. All right, we are going to jump back into uh, the second half of our conversation around power. Before I do, I I say this more towards the end of the episode, but I think a lot of these conversations kind of spin off questions that I have, but also the people listening and people watching. If people have questions, reach out, leave a comment. We're more than happy to answer them. And a lot of times, some of the best questions have spun off into another episode. Or if you you debate, if you you disagree. Yeah. Like, because that... There is no black and white, and I will refuse to ever be the person that says, like, no, you're absolutely wrong, and we're absolutely right. So if you're ever interested, I'd love to have a discussion. For sure. So second half, we're going to jump into maybe kind of some cleanup and some things that we maybe didn't get to, and one of which I hear a lot of, and we've talked about it on previous episodes of what we're testing and why, but, like, Mm -hmm. I want to measure my athlete's power. I want to know if they're powerful. And immediately what jumps off the bat to me is uh, we're going to do a vertical. Yep. We're going to maybe do a uh, power clean and get a number for that or, or there's other tests involved. But like that's what I hear a lot of people asking of like what can I do to measure my athlete's power at the beginning of a training cycle or, or when I get them and then towards the end of it? How do I know I'm moving in that right direction of that curve we just talked a lot about on the first half of the episode? Yeah. Um, good question. And uh, the long and short of it is that there are a whole lot of ways to test power and what I mean by that is there isn't one that is the only way and there isn't one that really gives you a complete picture. Yeah. Right. So you're absolutely right. The vertical jump is probably the most, uh, I don't know, universal, um, test because it's one, it's really easy to, to perform and execute amongst a large group of people. So long as you have basically a wall, um, that has the, the proper, um, you know, markings or whatever, or if you have the actual, you know, swipe test, or if you have a force plate, um, vertical jump is a pretty good test of total body power. Um, and again, I should mention for those more, um, uh, maybe academically uh, minded folks out there that are listening, we're talking just about basic overall total body power uh, measurements, not necessarily joint torque and all this other thing that is probably the more accurate way sure. of, of doing it. But from an actual, you know, in the field working with athletes yeah, perspective, in the real world. Um, I think vertical jump is a great place um, to start. I think broad jump, if you're going to do one, you might as well do the other. Um, Each of those also, I would um, really suggest looking at, there's an old one called like the Lewis formula and a newer one that's an unnamed uh, way of uh, basically standardizing distances and heights for body mass. So like, obviously like one of my 
really large 300 pound lineman might be extremely powerful but only have a 20 inch vert versus the light kid that's you know maybe half his size and jumps 36 who's more powerful right like that doesn't necessarily standardize for the two so it's it's not a to my point earlier the vertical jump is not a direct reflection of who is most powerful based on your inches off the ground yeah right so there's obviously standardization based on size and everything else yeah um i think even without doing those equations a really nice way is to think instead of one test equating to power do vertical do broad jump do a uh max rep in whatever only lift you might perform yeah um do uh, maybe a anaerobic power output via like the wind gate that the NHL uses, which is the bike against resistance against peak and average power outputs, or a 500 meter row, 400 meter sprint. Yeah. Um, and your max squats, deadlifts, et cetera. Because we said if you're going to do maybe, if you want to test and see, again, I think of strength as inside of power. So if you want to say, all right, in the world of power, how have we improved? Yep. All right. How is our sprinting improved? So maybe your flying tens, your 40 yard dashes. If you have timing systems, great. If you need to go slightly longer distances so that you can actually time them accurately, that's fine too. Yeah. So you've got your one end of the curve testing, AKA sprinting, then maybe slightly up with your plyometrics, AKA broad jump, vertical, whether or not you standardize, maybe you don't if you then do um, the next level up, which is your Oli lifts or maybe your shrugs, your jump pulls, or whatever yep. you do. And then at the top, your, your strength. You could standardize for each of those. Maybe you do it by body weight. You know, what is your ratio of strength to body weight? And all of those combined give you a picture. And if you want to get fancy, create a value for each of those, add those up and say, this is my power coefficient, and this is how we say, all right, your power score as an athlete is 105. What does that mean? It doesn't really mean anything to anybody other than the kids that go through your program. But yeah. it's now it's relative to everybody the there. Sure. And you have it, you know, historical uh, data over time. And so that's why I'd say, yeah, vertical jump, great. Wingate, great. Broad jump, great. Oli lift, great. Yep. But only so long as it's one piece of the larger picture because power, as we've talked about, is not one entity of in and of itself. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, it's it's not expressed in one very specific way that's the only way to track it is jumping high. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a good answer there, which leads me to one of our favorite questions, or maybe probably one of your least favorite questions when I throw this at you, because it's hard to answer. Where do you see it? Is, you go there? No, I'm not going to go where do you see okay. it. Okay. Actually, I am, but in more <laughs> so the set of, sense of like, because you talked about the one rep, the one rep, the one rep, or this or that. And the question we get a lot is, well, like a lot of times we try to associate these things to rep ranges and, and like there's the power rep ranges, the strength rep ranges and all of these different rep ranges. Is that a fair way to try to like put that into a category? If you're looking to like be somewhere on the scale, you're at a certain percentage or certain Ooh, reps. Okay. So you, all right. You're yeah. saying, um, you're not talking about maxing you're talking about like from a programming perspective yes. now i'm going past the programming you've tested we've talked about testing i think you did a great job explaining that good job thank you um now people start to be like all right now we're training it and i'm looking for the rep ranges and the percentages and all that other stuff that comes into the actual programming yep um and this is relatively self-explanatory when you think about it um because if you are familiar with the curve right so if you're gonna work on the high end of the curve strength yeah you're gonna need high intensity, call it 85% or more, 
and obviously how many reps can you do at 85% or more? Five or less. Yep. So if you want to work strength on the strength side of the power curve, 85% higher. Then you literally can just work your way down that curve. The, the lower the intensity gets, the higher those percentages, uh, I'm sorry, the, the lower the percentages get, AKA the intensities, the higher maybe you can do in terms of uh, reps. But what I would argue is if you're looking for peak power output, you never really need to do more than a few reps at that given intensity level, mm -hmm. right? So um, you might be moving a, a far less load, but you're gonna move it a lot faster, okay. right? So um, I'm not saying that when you get down into a, you know, a 70% of your hang clean, do 20 reps, right? Because now you're just into conditioning. Um, you're looking at expressing the, the most uh, velocity per rep. Sure. So it, it, the answer again, as you just alluded to before you asked it, it's not necessarily black and white um, because you know you, you might get into body weight with regards to plyometrics, but that doesn't mean do 40 reps of a of a yeah. of a box uh, box jump. Okay. So I would actually probably think of it as um, entirely um, relegated to the percentage and forget your reps. Reps should always probably be relatively low. Okay. And your rest should be relatively high. Yeah. Right, because you're looking at peak anything is going to require you can't a lot do it of effort. A hundred times, like you said. You can't do it a hundred times and you're going to need rest. Yeah. Right, so think of it as the lower end of the rep spectrum, but um, you are going to keep the relative intensity high. Yeah. So if you're working at a far lower weight, every time you notch down the weight, the velocity of the bar is gonna go up. Okay. Or the velocity of your body is gonna go up. Or, um, yeah, so if you work from a heavy squat to sprinting, you're gonna move a lot faster under far lower weight. Yep. I don't know if that quite answers. No, it does, and that's a good way to segue into another frequently asked question that we get is, well, so should I, get something to monitor bar speed or you know you taught you just said it like three or four times in that answer is you're talking about velocity and all of this other stuff and you see some of those things that tell you all right you're moving at this speed the bar's moving at that speed you got to keep it above this range like is there value when you're trying to train for power and that type of stuff is it is there value yes I think from a high school weight room standpoint, I'm far more concerned with making sure that we are moving competently mm -hmm. and just saying we are looking for bar speed here. Yeah. And make sure that your weights are low enough or adjust your weights so that the bar is moving quickly. I'm not looking for you to, you know, slowly muscle up a clean. I'm looking for a snappy movement. Yeah. That to me is enough. If you have oodles of money and you've got nothing but time and you have athletes that are super bought in like sure it's another it, it's just a it's a, a system of checks and balances right if you're saying that today we're looking for bar speed and you have the ability to let them see if they're hitting their targets it's just like us saying our weight is our goal is you know a heavy set of three today make sure you modify the weights accordingly right. um certainly usable. I think it just, again, it becomes one of logistics and flow and efficiency in a weight room. I'd also argue that a lot of athletes, that's that maybe next step. And I'm not saying it's inappropriate for high school athletes, but we just might not reach the point where 
I know every movement of my clean. I know when and how to move quicker, move slower, move faster, because I, it, uh, one caveat that's worth noting for anybody that's looking to get into the VBTs, the velocity-based tracking systems, that does not mean now that every time you lift, you're lifting for maximal velocity. Mm -hmm. We just talked about it, right? Like power is not mutually exclusive to strength. It's actually dependent upon. So if you're going to become a velocity-based tracking program, then you're going to need to track and target very slow velocities under high loads just as frequently as you are the reverse. Okay. Um, and I think people get in the, the mindset of, oh, lifting heavy doesn't matter as much as lifting light with velocity when in fact they need to be both done. Right. So you have, to, you have to play the balance. You have to do both. And I mean, honestly, I would argue that it's far easier to say we are going to lift strength with barbells. We're going to lift, you know, speed strength with barbells via only lifts. And we're going to work towards maximal velocity work with plyometrics, sprinting, because those are things that our kids can just naturally understand that I'm supposed to be moving. Like you can't, you can't jump slow. It's really hard. Yeah. Right, and the moment you say I want you to get as high as you can, you have to jump fast. So I'm not. I don't need to put a, a tracker on that kid's waist, wrist, and say, "Are you jumping quickly? What are your meters per second there?" I would have to on a barbell if I'm trying to hone in on. All right, I want our cleans to be done at X meters per second. Like yeah. that just becomes a lot of work. Is it completely useless? Not at all. If you're a good strength coach, you use that a lot. Can use it very, very effectively. I don't even know the percentage of coaches at the, the elite levels that do that because it is a lot of work and a sure. lot of effort. And you have to have kids that are really interested in understanding what's happening and why. Yeah, fair. No, that's that's a good uh, it's a good breakdown. But I think a, a question that comes up a lot, and I think it's a good kind of wrap up or, or start to move in the right direction in terms of like what we've talked about in terms of we've gone and, and hampered on kind of the curve. We've talked about different ways we can test it. I didn't make you say exactly how we could train it or what to look for, but you, you've, you you've kind of kind of touched on it a few different ways in terms of different things and what we're looking for throughout. Mm -hmm. I guess what I would say is the, to wrap it up or, or to try to put kind of a bow on top is a lot of times we'll just say like, all right, like, you know, what's it all worth um, in terms of like, why does it matter or where's the on-field application for most folks? Because I think in some, it's easy to see. For others, it's like, well, I want to be, like you just talked about, like I think a sprinter or a thrower is going to say like, I want this type of power or that type of power. But how is it more of this all-encompassing thing versus like, I have to focus on this very specific thing? Like, yeah, I'm, I think honestly, power is the easiest to show athletes. The thing is we get hung up and we only show them the one side of it, which is that peak power output. Like, yeah. Hey, if you can jump higher, you might be better at basketball. Like, yeah. No kidding. Right. But, uh, something that I say a lot, whether or not I'm, you know, spot on or not, you can, it's open for open to debate, but I would argue that in anything other than single event, quick competitions, like a one single shot put yeah. throw, which I'd also argue if you're you're not just a shot putter, if you play other sports and everything else. Anyway, <laughs> you are what you can repeatedly do. So yes, improving your top end speed. If I can shave two tenths of a second off your 40, 
does that give you the potential to be a better athlete on the field? Absolutely. You can run by somebody. You're faster than the person next to you, whatever. But I'd argue that if the moment you do any sort of work, your 40 time goes from that two seconds slower, uh, two seconds faster to two, two tenths of a second slower, mm-hmm. you didn't actually affect your on field performance in any significant way. So, um, and I know Colin's mentioned this before. I've mentioned this before. Your speed endurance or power endurance is far more important and a far greater indicator of on the field success because you are what you can repeatedly do on the field. So if you're max vertical, your max broad jump, your max only lift or whatever, if it's just one time and you can do that and you've improved that like crazy, but you haven't improved your anaerobic power output, AKA maybe how many times you could do a maximum jump or how many times you can do a submaximal jump or how many times you can submaximally sprint, then I don't necessarily think um, that it's all that worthwhile. But if you combine the two, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that does. And I think that's a great place to probably stop okay. the conversation or try to kind of close because I think like anything, and I think it's not the not the first time you've said you are what you repeatedly do. I think that's extremely extremely relevant to high school student athletes and high school students in general. But what you alluded to right at the front end of this conversation is like there's benefits to doing some power training for just about anybody yeah. at any time. Yeah. I, again, I you know I think when we try to identify different types of training and different goals, we actually do somewhat of a disservice to a lot of people because there's an association that like this one way of training is only for this one goal. Yep. When in reality, every one of these overlaps, right? You can't be all that powerful without a bunch of strength. You can't be all that strong without the correct mobility and coordination. You can't be any one of those things if you're not durable and you haven't put on the correct, you know, mask just to protect your joints and your body. You can't, um, be any of these things if you don't show up because you're too sore, you don't, you can't move because you don't take care of any sort of recovery. Yep. Right. So none of these things operates in a silo. And I think it's important to note that if you're interested in generating an improvement in power amongst your athletes, there are elements of power training that are important to make sure that are in your program, mm-hmm. but they can't be the be all end all. I hear a lot of, all right, well, you know, this summer we're going to be working on our power and that, that we're going to do a power program. That's fine, but if all you're doing is plyometrics and sprinting, your ceiling is a lot lower than if you did a bunch of strength work with plyometrics and conditioning. Yep. Um, and then I think that's where a lot of people kind of get tripped up is to think that there's one answer to one question. There's a lot of questions, a lot of answers, and they all need to be worked at the same time. Yep, absolutely. And that's why we have this podcast. That's so right. um, I think that's a great place to stop. Uh, a reminder of what we took at the break and just in general, please reach out to us for all of those questions that might come up along the way, whether it's in a specific part of training, it's in a platform program, a program that you're using, anything else like that, reach out to us. We're happy to chat um, and go over anything that you want to do and touch on it in future episodes. So with that, thanks for everybody to tuning in to this episode on power. And remember at platform, it's always in pursuit of better.